I'm Eddie Rowley, and you're listening to My Country Life, a podcast that takes you backstage and into the real lives of Ireland's country music, kings and queens. Each podcast in this series features a country star opening up the doors to their past and taking us on their personal journey into the spotlight. Along the way, they reveal their highs and lows, happiness and heartaches, and their struggle to find success. Here we meet Mike Denver, who began his adult life working on the buildings with his father. Now one of the Irish country music scene's biggest stars, Mike tells how it was never his ambition to become a professional singer. It was a career that found him. His mother, Roisin, also a singer, played a major role in helping her young son learn the craft of entertainment. Mike also takes us to Nashville and the moment he met and recorded with his idol, American country music legend George Jones. And he tells us how he found love and is reveling in the joy of fatherhood. This is My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. So, Mike, welcome to My Country Life. Thank you very much, Eddie. It's great. This is actually my very first podcast to do, and it's it'll be my very first podcast to listen back to as well. Ah, really? <laughs> I've never, never, it's hard to believe at this day and age, somebody that hasn't listened to a podcast and, and doing a podcast today. So it's it's great mm. to be here. I, I know you're on social media media and stuff, but Liz, your wife, does all that for yeah, you, does she? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a bad man. I'm technically very bad with anything social media or anything to do with that kind of stuff. My, my wife, Liz, looks after all my Twitter and she looks after Instagram. And then Sorella in the office looks after Facebook. Book for me, and I, I, I do keep an eye on them just to see yeah. if there's any any um, any requests coming in or birthday dedications and all that kind of stuff. I do I do try and get all that done. I try and keep in touch with that end of it, but I, I'm not a great man for social media. Is that good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> and you have to be honest, obviously. You have, in, I think, in, in, in your t- business. Today. Yeah, things have moved in the last number of years. I suppose yeah. the last. The last five or six years, really, it, it, it has majorly rolled over that that social media is a huge part of it. It's it's where people. I suppose to follow us to see where we're going to to know where the gigs and stuff are. It's it's a huge huge part of of, of music now at the, in the last number of years. Yeah, no, the world has changed since well, since, since you started out. It is. It's hard way to back believe. in the day. Yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to think back. My first gig with the band was back in 2003, so that's um, a good bit wow. of time gone by. But one of the very first gigs I done was taken even further back was with my mom. I remember my first gig was. I would say around 1996, if I'm not mistaken, I was about 16 maybe. She was playing in a in a local bar at home. It was a, a guy called Mike Didak had the, had the bar. It was called the Cat and Fiddle. And that was I think that was my first gig. I think I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, it was the St Patrick's night, and I think I got 30 pound. If I'm not mistaken, that, that was a fortune at the time. So that was a half a week's wages. So it was because I was at the time I was working. Uh, no, I was, I was just still in school. I think I just finished school maybe at that stage. So I was. And um, that was my very first gig. It came. It was just by pure chance. We were, I suppose, like going back in that time, it's not something you'd see young lads doing. We were we were myself and a few of the boys were in having a a few pints and we were sort of a, a couple of years off where we should be but um, and, and the local barman uh, that my mum was playing there would I come and sing a few songs so I, I hopped up done a few songs and that was that's where it all started from You got the bug I got the bug from there so I did and it, it, it really started from there going up I think at that time I might have went up and sang three songs maybe four songs I was a huge Garrett Brooks fan so I, I can't remember exactly what I sang but I, I presume the dance was part of it and Tomorrow Never Comes and a, a few 
songs like that. And it, it really went from there. We, we I started then going with my mom. It, it, it uh, went from doing the three songs to four songs to five songs, then half an hour. And then I suppose 12 months later, I was doing every night with her. We were just on, on stage together every night. And we'll, we'll go back and we, we, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, because you would go on then to record with the great George Jones. You'd sing with you've gone yeah. shows with Crystal Gale, of course, Big Tom here yeah, the, and Brendan Boyer. I, I, I would be I'd be a huge fan of, of of country music from a very early age. That was that was always part of our house. There was always country music on, whether it was that it was always the local stations. There was always country music every evening on in the house. So I suppose I grew up listening to it. No, no different. But like every young guy, I, I would have had different music preferences as I was growing up. Like all my friends. We would have been into, I suppose, the Guns and Roses era and and uh, ACDC and different things like that. But I suppose country music was always at, at the back of me, back of me heart. And I remember listening to the likes as you were saying there, Big Tom on the radio, and Daniel was on it, and Dick the Nurney, McFlavin, uh, Ray Lynham, Brendan Quinn. All these these people were on the radio week in, week out. I would have been listening to them and to. Over the last number of years, it's been a great privilege for me to get to meet some of these guys and work with them. And then, I suppose, a, another step even bigger then was when, when you think about all the international acts that were coming in, there were, I suppose, there were stars selling out shows all over the world. And some of the ones that I was lucky enough to get to meet and, and, and work with, the very first one that I can remember was Crystal Gale. That was back in... If I'm not mistaken, 2004, I think she came into Ireland, maybe 2005. Somebody will correct me. I'm, I'm not 100% on dates. But we've done, we done the tour here in Ireland with her, which was, um, I can't remember, maybe five, six, seven nights she was in here doing different shows. So we done all the shows with her as, as a support for her. And uh, she was sitting from here to England. And at the time, she asked, would I be interested in coming over to England, which we hadn't planned at the time. That was a, a last minute notice, I think, on the, uh, we might have been finishing up here on the Friday or Saturday night. And she was hitting to England for maybe Monday or Tuesday and asked, would I be, would I like to come over and do China for a few shows in England? So we, without even thinking about it, I said, Crystal, I'll be there in the morning. So booked the flights. Booked the, the car, the far side and uh, hotels and stuff straight over. Brought our fiddle player, Tony Fitzgibbons, came over as well with me. They were, uh, again, for they were amazed with, with some of the bands that were over here in Ireland when they heard the musicians and stuff. So at the time, she didn't have her fiddle player. So we flew Tony as well and, and myself and Willie hit to, over to, to do the couple of gigs with her in England. And uh, a few other ones that I remember strongly, I would have been a huge Charlie Pride fan. I got to work with him on numerous occasions. So I did. He was... Uh, he was just one of the greats, one of, one of the greatest of them all. You, you just, when when you think back of all the songs, the Crystal Chandeliers and Kissing Angel, Good Morning, and just so many great, great songs. He was loved by everybody here in Ireland. The songs just really suited what the what the Irish dance punter loved. So he, he was just one of the greats. And then again, we um, I got the chance to record with Hal Ketchum. He was coming over here on tour, so we done we done tonight. We might just fall in love again. I know it's a, a strange number for for myself and Hal to be singing <laughs> together as well, but it um it it was just one of them songs that was so big here in Ireland. We decided that was the song to do, and then again we we done different shows. Hugh O'Brien had brought in. Um, he brought in, I think at the time he had uh, Gene Watson was in and Mo Bandy and a few others like that. They were they were great to meet, but definitely I suppose the all time great was the the great George Jones back in. 2006, I think 2008, May 2008, if I'm not mistaken, somebody can correct me, uh, but uh, got over to Nashville, flew in to, to record the, the real deal with the great George Jones. He was coming over here to do, 
I think he was doing two nights in Castle Bar and a couple of nights up the north as well. So we were we were doing support for him as well. So I, I suppose, as you know, it's country music is 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 I suppose labelled something that the RTEs won't play too much or the two FMs or any of the other stations. So and then at the time, I suppose a lot of the lot of the local radios were Irish only. So they were really caught, I suppose, in the rock and the hard place. So they asked me, would I be interested in, in, in recording a song with George to, to promote the tour so we could get lots of plays on the, on the, on the Irish shows right, right up and down the country. So we recorded the real deal, but it was, I can't explain the, I don't know what's the word to use, but we, we, I, we hopped into the studio, we put down the track on the day before and then the next day he was coming in. So to be in the singing booth, singing with probably one of the greatest country singers of all time was just frightening. And the presence, the, I think that's the word to use, the presence. The, the, all the guys, the musicians were all there. Everybody was sitting in the place. But when George Jones entered this room, it was just like, it was like, I, I, I don't know, uh, maybe Elvis coming back again is what it was like. It was just a, just an amazing man that the presence he had. And uh, But I have to say, leaving all that aside, him personally, he was there with himself and his wife, Nancy, was there and his manager and all. They were just lovely people. Real down to earth, the same as if you're coming in to chat to yourself or chat to anybody here. They were just so easy going. They were the real nice people. And uh, one thing that I always remember for the number of years before he died, if I'm not mistaken, he died maybe four years after that or thereabouts, but himself and his wife, Nancy, every Christmas, religiously for them, five or six years, we every... Um, you get a few little things in the post, the souvenirs, the George Jones posters, you get the souvenir badges and different things, and you'd always get a lovely letter as well from her. For, for the right. And so th- they were just lovely people, so down up to the nines, you got your eyes locked on tall Lord. Well, he's mighty pretty, but I bet he ain't worried a bit about your heart. He's a real Casanova, but I think I know you just a little bit better than that. You need a real love that you can't get enough of Not some room with your act If you're looking for the real deal What you doing looking at him Ain't nothing but a cheap thrill He can't love you like I will Let go of your heart, girl Take mine and give it a whirl If you're looking for love You're looking at the real deal I remember interviewing um, uh, George Jones at that time mm. uh, after you'd done the recording and asking him about you and said, yeah, that young guy, Mike Denver, he's a great singer. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about that, but they were, they were just real nice people. So far. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, were you in awe of him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Frightening. It's, it's just like meeting your hero, I suppose. He, he, he would be there in, in, in the top of my, of my, my mm. all-time, all-time greats. I have to say, probably my all-time hero in music would have to be probably Gareth Brooks. That's, I don't know, I'd be mm. in, nearly in shock or in fear if I got to meet him. But saying that again, he's probably an, an ordinary guy no more than anyone else. You've met him on, on numerous times, so you could probably... Very humble guy, you could, absolutely. You could probably tell us better than anyone. So that, it, when it comes to music, I'd say Gareth Brooks is the one that I, I would really mm. be in awe of. So, Gart, if you're listening... Gart, if you're listening... Mike to Denver Eddie wants, to reg- here, went, uh, <laughs> wants to record. Wants to record. Yeah. Um, so from from George Jones, let's let's go back to uh, to your childhood and, yeah. and and where you came came from. Here, you grew up in uh, Portumna. Born in, in Portumna, County, County Galway. Galway. It was um, 
Great, great. A very small local town. We're very lucky. Particularly, we're on the banks of the River Shannon. We have, I suppose, over the last number of years, it's it's, it's got better and better. Town has grown. Um, when we were growing up, it was a real small local community. Everybody knew everybody. It's it was um, a real friendly place. I would have had a lot of friends that I that I would have grown up with from, I suppose, play school that are still some of my best friends to this day, 40 odd years later, 40 something years later, we're still great friends and keep in contact. So we do. So that's one thing about home. It's um, all my family around home. It's, it's great. You're one of, uh, you're four. the eldest of. I'm the eldest of, f- of four, four. two yeah. sisters and a brother. So we have. They're not in the business. No, no, no. Yeah. None of them got, none of them entered the music business at all. So they did, um, are they all stayed well away from it. But <laughs> I, I don't think there's many people, but there's, there's the odd family here and there where, where everybody seems to go go at the one direction of work or yeah. go into the music together. So no, everybody else went their own directions on different things, never never really had any much interest in the music. And you you come from a background, uh, you're steeped in music really because your mum, yeah, Ro- Roisin. Mum was, was a, a huge influence for me, so she was. Yeah. Mum, uh, from, from when we were... Very young age, I suppose. I remember mom every evening having to, but not having to, but that, that's what she done. That was her job. She went uh, off playing music. That was that was all part of it. She played, oh, I don't know, miles and miles from uh, uh, from home every, I suppose, weekends were the big thing that time. You'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday was the, the big thing for the music. So she was, a, a mom was a great singer. She would have been someone that always influenced me. She had a, a great um great influence in picking even music that I've recorded over the last number of years. Certain songs that would have been very popular for me, she would have pointed them out and said, these are songs that that, that could work. And she was, uh, Irish emigrants will, will, will remember her from the Gresham yeah, Ballroom on Holloway yeah, Road in she, London. She played Holloway Road in London, so she did. She, she was, was in the house band. She was in the resident band for, for years, so she was there. But now when I say years, I think it was a year and a half or two years, mm-hmm. something like that. She, um, when she, she left home, she went over there to England nursing, if I'm not mistaken, and from there then ended up in Pertumla. Did she meet your dad over no, there? No, my dad, she came back, mum came back to Pertumla to the West Park Hotel. She was, I think she came back as, as bar, to manage the bar in the hotel in Pertumla. And my dad at the time was, used to work there in the evenings and he'd be working on the buildings during the day. So they met there and I think that was, right. that's where it all started. Yeah, he's a builder. Dad does a bit on the buildings, a bit of yeah. work, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, happy childhood. I, I worked with him for ha, great childhood. Great childhood. Great childhood. <laughs> so I did. Yeah, great memories growing up. It's um, we we were very lucky. Um, mom and dad were always good hard workers. Uh, worked very very hard at, at at all stages. I don't think I suppose like anybody we 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 didn't want really want friend and we needed we we we, we um like everybody I suppose it was good times and bad times as I say like every house that time. Yeah, yeah. Were you as a kid? Were you into the ga, the hurling, I was, and the? Yeah, I, I suppose I was. I was never a good hurler. I came. We came from uh, Portumna, which was um, a great town for GAA. So it was. It was um, some of the great hurlers, I suppose, of, of of the last number of years have 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 hailed from Portumna. And uh, unfortunately, I, I would have hurled with a lot of them over the years. And um, but uh, no, it, it wasn't something that really suited me. I spent a lot of time on the sideline, even though I, I would have been at the matches and stuff. But I was, um, I, I was sitting there watching a lot of the matches. Because I know you're a big fan. Because I, I, I was comparing a, a country music festival in Ballymore in County Westmead uh, one, one day. There was five thousand people. You were on stage. You, you were singing. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, Galway were. were I think were the alarm was on. Yeah. The, the alarm was on the same day. 
I do a lot. You actually had a monitor. uh, uh, I think the boys put the monitor on in front so we could watch the match and and sing a few songs and watching the match at the same time. (laughs) I can't remember if it won or not, but uh, that's the fun of it. But uh, no, I love GA. To me, it's the best sport there there is. You can't, there's nothing to match it. And, and again, my favourite of all would have to be hurling. Coming from Pertumla with some of the greats, we Joe Canning is the just up the road from us, probably one of the greatest of all time. His brother Ollie was there. There's so many great hurlers. Is he a, is he a Mike Denver fan? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, we had Joe Joe featured in our, our Tommy K video, so he did, going back a few years ago, along with the greats, Brendan Byer, and uh, we had Foster and Allen in it. We had the late... Brendan Grace and Brendan Byer. It's hard to believe. Paddy Cole was with us as well. A few like that. So yeah. it's 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 hard to believe some of them them greats are gone. No when, you, when you when you look back and you see the, the the videos on television and and see these greats disappearing on us. What were you like at school? School wouldn't have been um, wouldn't have been a strong point. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind school. I loved I loved uh, I suppose like any young guy you, you, you've been in there with your friends and stuff was great but the, the schooling part wasn't the academic wasn't the, part what the, the academic part wasn't the, the best for me I left school um, at I was just going into leaving cert and I at the time I got an apprenticeship with uh, for plumbing so I decided at the time I, that, that's the route I wanted to go I always wanted to be in I, I loved the working on the buildings and that kind of I suppose that the harder labour and stuff than the than the I suppose sitting behind the desk with the biro but I suppose when you look back at it now I should have spent a few extra hours on the <laughs> doing a bit of studying and stuff but no the apprenticeship came up so I left school just before me leaving cert so um, at the time that was I suppose apprenticeships that time were like gold dust so the were so when the chance came up I jumped at it and went plumbing yeah you were more into the manual yeah I loved the manual end of things so I did working I I remember from a very early age I got my very first job at 10 so I did I used to work on a Saturday at at 10 in the local West Park Hotel I used to go in on a Saturday morning you do the bottles which would have been done for the week and sweep up the yard and a few different things like that my very first job actually was a friend of mine me and Graham got a job sweeping the roof in the hotel it was seven hours it took us to sweep it I think between us and we got a pound an hour each and that was uh, that was my starting wage so it was one one pound an hour sweeping the roof sweeping the roof of the hotel and doing the bottles and stuff keeping right. the place clean so it was so I think it, it used to be six, seven, eight hours on, on a on a, a Saturday so I used to seven or six, seven, eight pound extra in the pocket as to say with a bit of pocket money on top of that yeah and did your parents say to you look you, you wanted to to become a singer to, to, no, to, to have I, a trade to fall back on or no, no? The, the, the singing I suppose was, was again accidental right. I, I always loved it always wanted to be in, involved in it from a very early age I remember um, learning the accordion which now if I picked up, I wouldn't remember which way to put it on and playing a bit of guitar and different stuff at home. So singing was always what I wanted, but I always loved music. I was a very bad guitar player and still am, but um, just just really loved singing. It, it was always what I wanted to do. I suppose nobody ever thinks it's something they're going to go at. I'd, I would have always loved to do it. It would have been my preference. Grew up, I suppose, coming home from school, seeing the bands, the like sort of Conquerors, driving out of Pertumna and hitting the road early in the evenings when we were leaving at half three, four o'clock. The Big Generator were another band in town, Royal Flush. There was a few of these bands I would have seen from a very early age and I would have loved it. I would have always dreamed of being involved in the music, but I would have never dreamed that I could be doing now what I'm doing, leaving the pandemic aside for the last 18 months that uh, sitting at home, but but being on the road and gigging, recording, singing, that that's really what I wanted. The, the trade was, I suppose, the 
the second choice is to say yeah. if you if you had to do something what would you do and and uh, working on the buildings I suppose it was a it was a tough life when you see the cold it's it's a great job working on the buildings during the the nice warmer months I suppose from April right through till September October but from October right through till till the end of March they're cold and hard months for any man that's uh or, or woman that's working on a site I feel sorry for them and they're they're they're, they're great people to to be at it you're a tough enough lad and you're a healthy man and so on but actually when you were born um uh, you, you had uh, you spent some time in hospital. You had a serious, serious illness. I did. You? I can't even remember what it was now at the moment. Mm. I'd have to ask my mum what it was. Yeah, I spent the first few months of of um, when I was born in in hospital. So I did. So it was, I suppose, tough on on, on my mum and dad that time. Were they told at one stage that you know the well, possibility? Well, it was very close. I was. Uh, you might not survive. Might not survive. But sure, we got through it as the same. <laughs> we here healthy and all. And who? Uh, yeah. uh, when you look back now, it's sure it's all uh, it's all good. Yeah, tough for them at the start it of their marriage. It was tough, I suppose, that yeah. time. Yeah, it was, and it, it's it's. I can't even think what it was now. Yeah. Again, as I say, I do have that. I have a bad head for thinking of things like this. Well, uh, maybe, maybe you just blotted it I out. I blotted it out, Asher. <laughs> does it make any difference? You blossomed. It, you bloss- it, you bloss- it doesn't make any difference at this stage of yeah, life. So, yeah. so, so were, you, were, you, were you the spoiled uh, eldest child then? Ah, well, I wouldn't say the spoiled eldest yeah. child. We were great. Yeah. Mum and dad were great. The, the, we, had a, we had a great house growing up, as I say. But there was very little between us all. There was about a year and a half between us. There was myself and then my sister Nicola and then my brother Sean and my sister Carol. So there was only that year and a half, two years between each of us, right, right down the gap. So we were all, we were all around the one age, nearly steps and stairs. And That's it. Yeah, it was yeah. very, very close. Um, <clears throat> then you, you obviously got the, the the passion on both sides, the singing from your mother and the building mm. and, and that kind of thing from 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 your dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so gradually, then you went out uh, singing with your mum. Yeah, Mike and Roisin. Yeah, Mike and Roisin for the first while, and I think then we went under. At the time, we changed to bridge the gap. I don't know where that came out of. I think it was with the with the age difference. I think at the time, oh, very good. So we 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 had that for oh lord, that was a couple of years. I I, I just remember playing certain gigs that still stick out in my mind. Always we done the 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 locals the local places at home. I said the cat and fiddle was there. We 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 used to play the Clomwyn Hotel. It was Christy Cannon. Christy was a great man for for the music and used to have us there. Certain gigs then always. That I still remember. I think one of the second or third gigs that I was in Kiltarmer, in Mothers, if I'm not mistaken. And then other gigs that always stick out in my mind. We always done Nistun Varna. That was the that was the toughest month of September. I used to go down on the um, go down on the Friday evening. We do the Friday evening show. Uh, I think it was a late night Friday evening, and then we used to do a morning show on the Saturday morning. Then you do an afternoon show, and then you do a nighttime show. So you you. I think it was three-hour gigs. Listen, Varney used to be done there for Jim White, so it was. And we used to do nine hours a day. Wow. Three three three-hour shows on a on, a on a a Saturday, and I think Sunday was either two or three shows. I think Sunday used to be two shows, so you had two three-hour shows then. So they were tough times. That's that. Some people just say, "Where where did you learn?" I, I think I learned a lot of the the hardship and and a lot of time put in down in Listen, Varna. Well, it's good to do it. That is serving oh, your I, time I as well, it is isn't for it? For anybody that's yeah. starting in music, you can't beat going in at the. Yeah. Going in and, and and grafting from the from from the very bottom and seeing the hardship that it has to go through. I remember I was playing gigs and there was there was nobody in it. You'd have one or two people there looking up at you and smiling and 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 you 
still had to go on. I suppose as the night goes on, then people started coming into the gigs. But I, 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 you remember the good ones. You remember the bad ones. So you definitely appreciate the the good ones when you when you see them now. And when did it come into your mind then that this could be a career? This came by pure chance. I was at the time I I was working. I, I, Sean Morn, a very good friend of mine, Bose had had a band, a wedding band. He was. Uh, they were they were doing shows all over the place at the time, and I remember my manager Willie Carty. Now my manager at the time he tried to get me. At the time he was, I think the Indians were looking for a for a band. I'll, I'll bring you back even a bit further. I think Eamon was looking for a singer for the, for the Indians at the time, and Willie was trying to get me to to go that direction before he even started managing me himself. He said, put on the feathers, he said, Mike. This would be put on the feathers <laughs> and uh, put on that. Get that the the get Paint. the hacks on Floor a few bit or that. Hacks or whatever you call it, and uh, he was trying to get that. And at the time, I can't remember who got the job at the Indians, but that that fell through at the time. And then Sean Morn was looking for a singer for for the wedding band, so I started with Sean, and we were we were at that time doing lots of weddings around. And we were doing one or two gigs as well uh, as the Mike Denver thing. But uh, he he the band of Gold was the band Sean had. There was Brian Mulhair, Alan Nealon was there. Brian, Alan, Sean and myself. So it was, did the band of gold and I went then, he had the badass boogie band then when it, when he, when he got away from the weddings that he was uh, doing a, a, something a little bit different. So we went at that for a couple of years and then I was, at, I was working with, with them at the weekends and I was working with my dad during the week doing different bits. We were doing uh, different jobs at the time but I, I remember one cold day I was, we, we were uh, laying blocks in the play school which is very close to where I live now at the moment. And my phone rang. It was cold. It was windy. It was wet. And Willie, Willie Carty rang me. He says, come across to me here, young fella. He says, I have something to ask you. And so I went across and he was he was in, in, in his office in the back at the time. He was managing the, the Robert himself was part of his stable that time. And and, and um, Keith Lorraine showed and showed the Conquerors as well. So he said, I have a song here for you to listen to. And... Uh, it was George Strait's What a Merry Christmas This Could Be. So he said, would you be, he said, a thing for you, would you be interested in putting a band on the road? Would you like the country scene, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I had a few singles out. I had The Dream Come True, which Isla Grant had written, which was getting huge airplay right across the, right across the, all the, all the, the local the stations. stations. It, was, yeah. it was doing great on it. I had the single my mom had wrote. Uh, that was, um, Bring Your Love On Back To Me, that was out as well. That was getting great play as well at the time. So them, them few songs were, were, were starting to pick plays on the, on, the, on the local radio. So he said, would you be interested in putting a band on the road? We sat down, we chatted for about, I'd say 30 seconds. And I said, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> think about it. So we, we, we put the band on the road and um, Sean Morn was, Sean was part of it. Sean was drumming. Um, Alan Nealon was in as guitar player. They were part of the of the of the old badass boogie band. And then Bramel Hare didn't want to go on the road. He had, he had enough done at that stage. So we got Desi Egan came in with us. We got Pierce in, and I think that was the five of us. And Frank Downey. Frank Downey was in as well, playing steel and accordion. So that was for the, that was the first band. That was middle of November. I went in the next day, I think, and started recording that Christmas single, "What a Merry Christmas This Could Be." And about four to five weeks later, the band launched in the Parkhouse Hotel in Edgerstown on Saturday. It was either the 10th or the 11th of January 2003. And the following night was in the, in, that was the Parkhouse on the Saturday night. Sunday night was in, down with John Kelly in the Hazel Hotel in Monastreven. 
And as I say, we haven't looked back since that. It was, it, it, it was very quick when you think about it at that time. When you see bands now that were rehearsing for weeks and weeks and months, I think we had about three, maybe four rehearsals and we put the band on the road. And uh, as I say, we haven't looked back since. And was it instant success? Well, I where, Did you have crowds straight away? I remember the first night. I wouldn't say instant. Yes, we were lucky. From when you, when you see things the way they are now, we were very lucky. We never had a bad night. As yeah. in, but uh, some things that I do remember, w- certain gigs were good. And at, at the time, it was nearly the end of that whole, I suppose, when the, when the dance circles were there in the 90s and 80s, 90s and, and, and uh, early two, 2000s, there was always, uh, I suppose, a bass crowd, no matter who was playing. If, if Eddie Rowley came in with a guitar, there was a bass crowd of 200 people or there was a bass crowd of 300 people in, in certain venues. So there was always a crowd at a venue. That was a huge thing. And that was just starting to die out. There was no bass crowds. That was that was really, I suppose, at the end of that time. So we, we started in the parkhouse, I don't know, the first couple of nights. I was very lucky from home. I got great support locally. Okay. So many people that came in, in, in busloads to support me when we were playing anywhere, anywhere local. And that was for the first couple of months. Then, luckily, Willie, Willie spotted the, another song that Isla Grant had recorded, You're the Best Friend That I've Ever Had. And that sort of gave it a great nudge that the crowd started to started to flow in so they did they, they were getting bigger and bigger you could see it growing every night and it's, the songs connected the songs were connecting but even, even leaving that aside and probably one of the songs that I that I have to be grateful and thankful for was my darling Kathleen that definitely that went from doing 150 or 200 people a night to 300 or 350 it just overnight Michael S. Toher up in Belmullet wrote it and it just it, it, it just had a connection it's just one of them songs that people seem to like and on that Saturday night and that was the start of the rest of our lives and the crystal ball flickered upon her sweet face and the girl Oh, please, please don't wake me from this beautiful dream In your arms I'm in heaven, my darling Kathleen I suppose we were one of the only bands at the time that when we launched the band, I didn't have an album. We were we were on the road for, I don't think the album, We, we I started in January the 10th or whatever, give or take, and I don't think the album came out till nearly 12 months later before I had an album. So I suppose it was nearly unheard of. We were we were on the road, we were doing fairly middling decent crowds and we didn't have an album out. So yeah. it was, it was we'd we, we done it funny, funny, I suppose, and strange, but it, it worked. And Mike Fallon is, is, your, Mike is, Fallon, is your real name. Yeah, when did you become Mike, Mike Denver? I suppose that came around at the time. I, I was recording at the time. I, the person I suppose I have to... Blame for this or tank or what do I do? <laughs> is uh, Jackie Conway at the time said, he said, Mike, at the time I'd, I'd recorded a track with him called um, It Turns Me and Sit Out on the very first album. We'd done it in his, his kitchen, himself and Barry, his brother, great guys down home, great musicians, great great recording stuff. And uh, we'd done It Turns Me and Sit Out. It was a great song. And he says, Mike Fallon is not going to get any play on Let It Be 2FM or 
and any of the stations. I knew no different at the time. So you need a showbiz name. He said you need you need something different. And he he was at the time was saying you need Fallon. You drop the mic, go at Fallon or go at whatever. Blah blah blah. But then as, as we started recording, Sean Moore said, "Hold we have to come with a different plan here." He says, "What about Denver?" I think ninety nine percent sure Sean Moore came up with that. The, Denver thing, he says, we won't drop that. I, I didn't want to drop the mic thing. Cause I said, hold it. Everybody, when I'm walking down the street, says, oh, your mic. Or, that, that, that has to be kept in, so it has. And at the time, Mick Flavin was huge. And when we were looking at posters and stuff, we seen Mick Flavin, Mike Fallon. This is going to look very, very similar. So to get totally away with it, it was, again, it was just something that was pure chance. That yeah. The name changed. There was, no, there was no great thought into it. There was no great... Um, Time put into it, just it, it, it's something that happened really overnight. So it was, it was nearly an accident. And I hope you like it because you're stuck with I'm it stuck now. With it now, whether I like it or Asher, I don't mind it. Ah, well, still at home, I'm, I'm, I'm falling no matter what part yeah. of the street I walk. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, in the 80s, Daniel gave a massive boost mm. to, to the country music scene. He brought in a whole Come new Eddie. following. And then it, it, you know, he did his thing and he went off abroad and it, 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 it was dipping. Until you came along and you did the exact same as Daniel had oh, done a decade I earlier. Can, I don't think you can compare me and Daniel. Daniel is someone that, I, I, Daniel is someone that I suppose me personally, you have to hugely respect. Mm. He's someone that brought, not alone country music, he brought Irish music to a different level right across the globe. Like he, he's, he's, a, he's a household name everywhere, even when you leave Ireland. He's a huge, huge name. He's somebody you definitely have to respect. When you see his shows, you say, before you go to a show, you'd say, how is this, how is he so big? How is he, how does he do what he does? But when you see a show, when you see him live, he's just, he has something that so many people would love to have. He has that X factor that to talk about. And, and I suppose for me personally, X factor doesn't mean that someone's a great singer. To me, there's so many great singers here in this country that would buy and sell Anybody that's on this scene or anybody that's on any scene in this country, there's people at home sitting in their in their sitting room chairs that are amazing singers. Yeah. But just going back to Daniel, that's the one thing he has. Is it's this, the full package. He has an X factor. He has yeah. that X factor that you can't point it out. You can't pick what it is. You can't say what it is. Mm-hmm. But there's just magic there. But he, he always says that uh, young people are the future of country music and it's quite true. Uh, so when you came along, you were that young person. You brought in a whole new young following and after, after you, you know, came the likes of ah, Nathan, Nathan Carter Nathan and, and Derek Ryan and all, all those guys came, yeah. came along afterwards. But it was the start of a new wave. Well, yeah, I suppose I was started at the end of that. Robert Mazzell had come in and, and, and Jimmy Buckley was there as well at the time. And I suppose I was coming in after them. And at that time, I suppose there wasn't a lot of younger people at the at the gigs. We we were probably at the start of the of the younger people just starting to come in. At the time, I had a couple of songs that were popular with the with the younger people. Galway Girl turned out to be a, a yeah. very popular song for me again. Another accident at the time because it was huge for Monday. It was huge for Sharon Shannon. It was huge for Steve Earle and and John Hogan had a hit as well at the time. So we recorded and that again started bringing in younger people and different songs over the years. So like said John O'Reilly brought in a younger audience. So I, a few of them songs, I suppose, helped bring in the younger audiences. And I suppose for the last number of years, there has been, a, a, as you said, with all these new faces coming in from John McNichol and Barry Kerwin, Kem, Jerry Guthrie, and you have Nathan, you had Derek, you have Lisa McHugh, Cleona. You, you have so many great faces. And that's the one good thing about country music, Eddie, over the last number of years. It has moved. If you look back to the, I suppose, the 
leave the 70s aside, the 80s and 90s, when the bands were here, the country bands, it was such a small setup. The were yeah. would have been in a top and, and maybe one can aside. And the pop bands were down the road with these huge, big rigs, huge, big shows. But uh, uh, if you go back then, we started doing a concert tour with um, different different acts. And we at the time, we said, hold on, we have to bring this to a different level. We were we were doing the dances the same as everyone we come in with a bin in the top aside and a couple of lights. When we started doing the concerts, my very, very first concert tour, we had... Some some of the greats we had Ray Lynham, Rory Daniels, and the late Larry Cunningham was was on the very first tour with us. So we said we have to do something a bit different, something a bit special. And Shea Spain and Alan Spain, David, were were just starting into the AV Spain AV stuff. So we said, hold, we may as well go the full package, put a full show together here. Very few bands at the time were doing it. So we said, we'll, we'll go the whole package, bring in a big PA, bring in a huge lighting show, the same as a, a, a small, international ne- nearly as, as, as some of the international acts coming in. We, we'd place filled with lights and filled with LED screens and stuff. So that would have been the, the start really, I suppose, of, of the bands. And then uh, you had the Nathans and, and all these coming behind. They were they were do, following, do, doing the same thing with the, with the show. So that really brought the, the whole country music thing to... Another it, level. It, well, it brought it up that it, it, it was very respected no matter who came in yeah. uh, to, to see the show. You had a huge lighting show. You had a huge so- sound show as well. So you had, and th- that's the one thing about Irish mu- musicians over the last number of years. We're, we're very lucky here. You talk about people flying to Nashville and flying to London and that to, to record stuff. We've some of the best studios here in the country, so we have. And not alone that, we're some of the great, best, I suppose, musicians as well. So we're very, very lucky. You can you, you, There's some guys here that would match anything that's the far side of the water. And you mentioned that earlier, Crystal Gale was blown away. Tony Fitzgibbons, yeah, yeah, blown away. But we, I won't even start going down the road and mention musicians because I'll, I'll yeah. leave one or two out so I will, yeah. that, that I should mention. So, But Ireland is very lucky that we have so many great guys that way. And uh, And yes. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'll be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, how exciting was it to have your very first record, your very first recording session? Very first recording session was frightening. Very first recording session that I can that I really remember. I'd done a few little things with Eugene Kelly, God rest him as well. There's a lot of people here that we're, we're, we're missing over the years. But um, I'd done, I, I done uh, Edison Lighthouse, Love Grows, and as I said, I recorded with Jackie Conway and his place. But the first real recording studio thing was an album myself and my man brought out back in, that was in 1998, 1997, I think, we, we, we brought it out first, the first couple of singles, the song Man bro- wrote, Bring Your Love and Back to Me, and then I recorded the the dance by Gar Brooks and Love Me, Colin Ray. I'd done a medley then of, of uh, if I'm not mistaken, it started with Suspicious Minds and went into a couple of Neil Diamond songs. That was down in Greenfield Studios, down in Hedford with Charlie Donahue and Carmel. That was... That was a big recording studio that at the time. That was a time, huge was recording it? studio at the yeah. time. So it was. And uh, when you look back at it, it was it was a huge step to take at the time to to be in there. All the all the big acts at the time were using the Greenfields in, in, who would, in Hedford. Who would, who would they have been? Uh, well, you, you had most of the acts here in, in Ireland that I won't even, again, yeah. I'll, I'll leave a few yeah. out if I start mentioning it. But it was, a, it, was a, it was a huge studio to go into for, I suppose, someone like myself that was unknown. And at, at the time, I have to say, I have to thank my mom and dad, they... Held your hand. They, well, they they funded the whole <laughs> thing at the time, so did my dad did. Um, it was um, it was great to be into a huge studio where you had the the singing boot, you had the live drums, you had the piano and stuff. It was it was a frightening experience, so it was. But it's it's one of them things that stick in the back of your mind. There's certain things that 
in the music stick in the back of your mind. I can always remember hopping on stage for in the Parkhouse Nedra song with that first song, Country Roads. It's there. It's stuck with me till the, till the end of time. Yeah. Uh, and then um, seeing this, holding this uh, album in your hand and with the artwork and everything like that, was that, was that uh, exciting to you? That was, that was, I suppose that's not something that is, that has really excited me majorly. I'm, no. I'm, I'm not a great man for studios. Anybody <laughs> will tell you that, that knows me when I'm in and out of studio, I want to be in or I want to be out as quick as I can. So I do. Um, me personally, the thing I love about the, the music is the live gigs. That's what yeah. gives me the buzz. You can record all you want. It's not the same. Yeah. The, the, once you're on that stage, you're playing that live gig. That's that's where the buzz is. When you can look down and see people enjoying themselves, whether it's a big crowd, small crowd, it, you can have one of the best gigs you've ever had in probably one of the worst, worst venues that possibly could be. And it could be the smallest crowd ever. And it could be the best gig you could do. And then you could be playing a huge venue with a huge crowd and you could have a nightmare of a night. So you can you can never pick what's a good night or a bad night. Are you a different person up on stage? I don't, that, that's a hard one to answer now. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I suppose like everybody, when your stage is work, it's your job, you have to be, I suppose, there has to be a certain bit of, of difference to what it is. But no, I don't think, I'm not a major, major lot different. Yes, I love going on stage and you have to, you have to put on the suit and the fresh, the fresh shirt and uh, polish the shoes going on and, 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 and fix the hair and a few bits. But uh and the uh, adrenaline is pumping. The adrenaline is, is pumping. Thankfully, I don't get too nervous going on stage. That's that's one thing I have to touch wood. Uh, but uh, no, the, the adrenaline, just it's, it's something different. But I, I don't think I'm a whole lot different. I hope not. How many songs are in your set? Uh, uh, you know, I've, I've obviously been to your show numerous times and it, 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 it feels like he's done about 200 songs Two, tonight. I, I don't think we touched the 200. Because massive medleys. I would say uh, you, you, you'd, be, you'd be talking the guts of 40 songs maybe overnight. 35, 40 songs over the over the two hour show between links and, and and solos and a few different bits. So there's a good bit in the show, but it's it's an amazing thing. Songs just stick in the back of your mind. Songs that we have never sung. Like we as as everybody knows, the pandemic put a, a, a damper on the music and stopped us all. And we we went rehearsing one afternoon, hadn't sang any of the songs. Hand up for any of the boys that I, I don't think they'll be listening in anyway to this, listening back to me. <laughs> but I had very little homework done, as in some of the songs I had a quick listen. But as soon as the music started, they naturally just started coming back. And it, 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 they just flow out of you. It's certain songs that are there, they're in the back of your mind. It's an amazing thing, so it is. It is. And even songs that, you, that you'd know from, from growing up, from childhood and stuff, these songs stick in the back of your mind. Yeah. And, you know, your, your set is, it's, it's varied. It's not a, a pure country show. It's, no. It's, it's a variety show, really. Our, our show is very varied. So it is. We try and do a little bit of country has to be part of it. Irish has to be part of it. Something that has been very, very popular for me would be more traditional stuff over the number of years. If you go for the Boston Rose and you go for the John O'Reilly's and the Galway Girl, all the, the more traddy stuff with the fiddles and accordions and stuff have been hugely, hugely popular. And I do try and fit a bit of 60s, 70s, bit of pop, jump Neil around Diamond. stuff, Neil Diamond, all that, taking you back in time stuff as well. So we try and do a bit of everything. And the one thing with, with our show as well, I, tr I suppose it's a little bit different if we're in concert. I do try the best I can to stick to a set list, if that's possible. If 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 we're in dance, I just go free flow, really. really? I'll, I'll pick the first three or four songs before we hop and say, just say, boys, that's what we're starting with. 
and after that it's follow it's, me. it's follow me it's sort of signals here and there and we've uh, I suppose every, like all bands we've signals for different songs so as as they're going we call them or I'd shout them across to, to Big Al and Big Al had shouted into the mic to the boys into their headphones so they'll know what's coming so it, it's it can be it can be funny at times <laughs> uh, Bruce Springsteen does that with the E Street Band to, to keep them on their toes they never it's know unbelievable yeah. I've, seen, I've seen him seen him in, in Limerick once live and just an, an amazing act so he is and it's probably good for your band as well that they're not bored just doing the same thing well, over they again. They never to, know what's going to come up next. They don't get too bored, so they don't. No, no it's it's well, they, you have you have a certain amount of songs. It's I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that they're going to vary hundred miles away yeah. from where we are, but we have a set list. But the the set list won't be the same any night. Mm. And what's the signal for a particular song? Oh, we have different things. With the, if we're doing the chain of love, that's it's, it's an amazing. You thing. touch we have the chain on your neck. There's different. Thing, <laughs> oh, there's, different there's different signals. There is for different uh, different hand signals, and <laughs> they know them. I know them, and we sometimes. Sometimes we get them wrong and there could be three or two or three of us on different songs at the one time, but sure. <laughs> that would li- that's what live music's about. And the, th- the other thing about the country scene is that the, the artists like yourself are so accessible to, to, to the fans uh, and you, you, you meet them after the show. Yeah, that's that's always been part, I suppose. Again, you have to go back to Daniel for that. That's been a, a huge part, I suppose. He brought that into, into country music. But again, Ireland is so small, Eddie. Mm. Everybody knows everybody. The, it's not that there's any stardom or anything. You have people coming to these shows that are neighbours of yours, people that you've grown up with. So people, it's great to be able to walk around and everybody meet everybody and everybody enjoy the company of it. Yeah, of course, that's probably going to change now for, for is, the foreseeable future. Yeah, but I think I think it's a thing with Irish people. I, I think it's like when when you look back, we we had to adapt for the for the time of of COVID for different things, funerals and stuff. Something that we love to do, celebrate weddings, funerals, that kind of mm. thing. I think music's going to be the same. People want to be out. I think people are going to come back. People want to be in touch with the artists. I think we're all just going to. I think eventually we'll get back to back to where we are, and there'll be lots of photos and lots of meet and greets, and we'll have to get on. But we 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 will have to mind ourselves. Not saying that we won't be wearing masks or sanitizing the hands for for the next number of years. But I think we're going to get back, hopefully, somewhere to close where we were. What about the traveling? It's uh, to me that would be hell on earth that you're in you're in Donegal tonight, just a night and you're in Cork tomorrow night. That's the only bad thing. That is the only bad thing that any artist or any musician or anybody involved in the music will tell you the traveling is the killer so it is because you have to hop in the car you could have you might be home for three or four hours sleep hop into the car hit somewhere else it's it it, it is the nightmare of the of the of the music thing it, we're very lucky that ireland is so small it's four or five hours will bring you really where i am is so central it, Two or three hours will bring you down to to Cork, and three or four hours will bring you up to to Limavady or wherever up the up the top of the country. That's the the one good thing. But again, it can be a bad thing because any of the acts touring, the likes of um, England or America, or anywhere, they're in big tour buses, so it's a lot easier on them. And it's a harder life, maybe, yeah. but it's it's physically a lot easier on them to hop in. They get their sleep and you wake up at the next gig. Us, you have to hop off the stage, hop into your car, you have to drive home, you have to have your four or five hours sleep. You might have to go again early to get back up and do a sound check. So that is the nightmare. That's the part nobody looks forward to. But again, the adrenaline on the stage, that hour and a half or two hours of the buzz makes up for the eight yeah. or eight or nine hours of driving that has to be done. And it it, it, it can be a long time. It, people look at the stage and say, oh, Mike Denver's on stage two hours. Isn't that a queer handy job? It's uh, it's so simple. It's easy, whether it's me or whether it's Foster and Alan or 
whoever it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's such an easy thing, but they don't realize you're, if we're hitting for a show and we're doing a, a concert in um, Killarney tonight, the truck has to be down a couple of hours before the buys to get the, get the gear out of it. So they, they have the worst job of all. They have the nightmare job. I feel so sorry for, for them at times because they're gone a couple of hours before, before I am. Then the band are gone. They have to be down, set up their bits. Then I arrive. So this all happens. It, it, you could be five or six hours before you even get to do a sound check. And then you have to do your sound check. That could be half an hour, 40 minutes. Then you've been gone off stage an hour, an hour and a half before the doors open. That has to be all taken into account. Then the show goes on for a couple of hours. Then you have a meet and greet afterwards. That could be another hour, hour and a half, whatever it takes. And then you have to hop into your car and face for another three, four, five hours, whatever you have to drive. That is the, that's just, yes. that just, just, just torture is the same. A but very strange life. <laughs> it is a strange life, but that's, that. someone says, as you'd often be asked, why do you do it? People do it because they love it. Yeah. And if you don't love music or don't love the whole thing of the performing, the arts, whatever it is, you won't be involved with it because it is a tough life. There's, physically, it's, it's, it's a very easy life, but it's, it's on the body. It's, it's very straining. There's a lot of time, a lot of hours go into it. Uh, the best place I would imagine to be in in a band is in situated in the Midlands. Yeah, that's where. Uh, that's and, why and I'm so lucky. You, you used to have a halfway house. A half, we did. Did you share a house there with the band? We did the band. Well, no, I always go home, no matter okay. where I am. Well, you're I, in your home. I try and yeah. get Pertumna so central. I'm nearly pinpoint centre of, of Ireland, so okay. we are. So it's it's so lucky that way. But um, we had we had a house in Strokes Song. We had in Tarman Barry. A few different places that a, were a band house. A band house that the boys could get back to at least if we were meeting in the middle that's somewhere central to, to rest the bones for a few hours before they have to hit off again. It's tougher on the band, isn't it? It's, it's tough on everybody. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a very hard, it's a very hard life. That's why, as I said, if you don't love the music, you won't be involved. Because they're working together and sleeping together. Yeah, and That's it. Well, the only know, thing is they don't really each see other each other. They don't really see each other. They're, there's one hopping in and one hopping out and everybody's right. doing different things. As to say, yeah. the, as the, the setup is one thing, the band is another thing, then the, 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 the gig is another part of it. So there's so many sections to, to getting ready to put in the show together. And very difficult uh, to juggle that showbiz life with a personal life as well, extremely difficult, but you have managed it. Yeah. I was very lucky. COVID, <laughs> COVID sort of fell at the right time for me, so it did. But even before that, before uh, that yeah. you, met, you met Liz. Where met did Liz, you meet yeah. your wife, met Liz? Liz in, um, met Liz in Rahu, down very close to her home place. Westmeath. In County Westmeath, yeah. She was bringing her mom, her, her two her two sisters and her mom and herself came to uh, a show in Rahu. And a Mike Denver gig. A Mike Denver gig we were doing. And she, she came home with a husband. She came home with a husband <laughs> very shortly after that, so she did. And... Uh, it's it's um so so she was she a fan or was it just a no, show she, to go to? She just brought her mom. She right. hadn't a clue what she was going to or what right. it was or nothing. So she was keeping her, her mom used to, was watching Glortira TG Four, which is a, has been a great That's great terrific. thing for for Irish country music for so many years. The Christy King and 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 all the other. Things on on, on TG Four, huge operator Daniel. There's so many shows on TG Four that have been keeping country music out there on the face of, of, of national television. Yeah. Um, so no, her mom had seen TG4 or some of them things or maybe the local radio and heard it and heard we were there doing the gig. So Liz says, hold it, let's bring her, brought her and as I said, and was she aware of Mike Denver? I don't think, no. No. Not a clue. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> Which is probably just as well. That's, oh yeah, yeah. wasn't it great? I don't think yeah. she had a clue at the time where she was going but so. So you met, say, did you, were, you met her after the show? Met her at the, after the show I think for a minute, again it was a small we were we were only Small on the road uh, 
couple of months with the stage, small venue. It was, uh, it was a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or something. It was a midweek gig, so it was. So it was, uh, it was a nice small crowd. So we got chatting afterwards, and as I say, we haven't looked back since. And what exchange numbers? Or? Exchange numbers, yeah. Exchange yeah. numbers. I think. I think. I, I think. I, I tried to slip her my phone number, or, <laughs> or something along those lines. Anyway, at that time, so you, you knew straight away there's a connection ah, yeah, there. Yeah. Ah, she's she's magic. Is to say she's great. Yeah, and she obviously felt the same. That yeah, you know. ah, we've we've a, we've a great relationship. It's to say she's a, as as they say, behind every good man there's even a better woman. Yeah, and behind behind every successful man is a surprise woman, a happy woman. <laughs> ah. um, so you met her, her like her mother. Then was she was, was she a bit wary of you know I don't her daughter think, going out with a fella? In, well, I think so. I think in, in, in the music business. The way. Why, <laughs> you, when you always wonder why they do be so worried about going out with guys in the, in, in the bands and music and stuff. I, I don't think I was even talking to her mom or any of that night so it wasn't no but she, li- yeah i think she came up to, to to get a cd and that was i think that was the 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 talking point as to say at the night and uh i'm sure i think everybody would be does be weary of of, of boys and bands and stuff as to say it was but i think that's a as to say it's a lot of crap uh, and then it? when you met her then of course she, she saw the person rather than the singer yeah, she met yeah, the yeah. person rather than the singer yeah it was great yeah yeah and you get on great we get on great so we do we've uh, ah we've great we're living in Bertumna now for the last 15 years or 16 years at this stage nearly so it's great yeah we get on great so we do get on like a house on fire all the time and she, you know you have to you have to marry someone or, or have a partner who, who understands the yeah, business yeah but that was the one good thing because from when we met, I was at the music and I was at the music very busy from, from day one, as to say. So for Liz or for me, there was no difference. That's what, that's what, that was my job. That was me going out to me, me office from nine to five, as to say, that was, that was a part of life. And we, we knew no different. Yeah. The first break we really got was in a year and a half ago when COVID came up to that, we would have been working 200 gigs a year, 220 gigs a year, and sometimes even more, the, the band would be working them gigs. And then I'd be doing different things where I have to do radio stations. You have to do, uh, I suppose, one-off gigs and different things that are on. So I, I, I was always go, go, go. So, but I was very lucky that way. She was always very understanding and, and, and never minded that. Yeah. And how long then before you propose? Oh God, we got married in 2012. So I'd say we must have been six or seven years gone before we before it proposed. And then you did it in style as we well. We done it in style. Then we were hitting out to to Las Vegas. So we were. So we I done it out in the Grand Canyon. Wow. So it was uh, like a like a like a true country singer. Oh yeah. So it was. <laughs> it, we were. I had planned to do it one day, and I think a storm or something came in where we couldn't get out to the Grand Canyon. So it was. Uh, I wish you were. This was going I, to happen. I don't think so. I think she was hoping that it was coming, but didn't know when or, or how it was going to happen. So or that it was a Grand Canyon. It was a Grand Canyon. We were out there, we were in Vegas, and so we said we'd, we'd go out to Grand Canyon for a day. I said, sure, where else is it like the Grand Canyon to get engaged? Yeah, did you have the ring? Or? I had the ring, yeah. I got. I, I, I had the ring picked. She would always be giving hints when she was walking past different jewellery shops, I'd like that. different ones that she liked. There's a ring I'd like. That's, that's one I'd like, so <laughs> that, that hint was going for a little while, so I, 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 I got one. So you picked it without her seeing it, which is a, I think I a, did. Brave, a, that was brave, a brave move. A brave wasn't move. <laughs> I, I'm not 100%, but I think I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was great then. And then uh, you got married then in, as you say, 2012. We got 2012, yeah. Father Brian Darcy done that. We got married down in Kilronan Castle, down in County Roscommon on the Leitrim border nearly at that stage. So we got married down there. We it's, on, the whole, it's on the lake or river? Yeah, it's, it? it's lovely down. Kilronan yeah. Castle lovely there. So we got married down in the Kiju Church, which is only about 
couple of miles away from the from the hotel. So we we done everything. We said, hold it, let's get everything down to there. We'll have the church, we'll have the ceremony, everything. And that it was very simple, as to say. I was um I think I was gigging not the night before. I think I took that night off. But the <laughs> night before that we were in we were in the Millennium Forum in Derry. So we went from there then straight down to Kiju, stayed in Kiju. We took a couple of my friends and came down early as well. And my brother, Sean, and a few came down. So we stayed stayed down there. We brought the, I think we got a house down there as well. Where we sort of all the groomsmen and all that. The boys stayed in that house and she stayed then with her sisters and all that in another house. So, and I, I had to bring the dog. Snoopy had to come with me. So that was my job to be up at three o'clock in the morning. And I think walking him around the, the car park to keep him quiet the, the, the morning of the morning wedding. Morning of your wedding. <laughs> yeah. To keep, let everybody, I was, I was very thoughtful. I said everybody else needed sleep. So I'd say walking the dog out to keep him quiet. Yeah. Snoopy is a, is a, Snoopy is, was, is a, is a social media star as he well. He was, he was. Snoopy, we, sadly we lost Snoopy ah. last, uh, last November, I think we lost uh, Snoopy. He just, old age he was yeah. 13 we had him for 13 years we got him from uh, we got him he was only I, I think we got him he was about 4 weeks old or 5 weeks old whatever age you, you take a puppy from, yeah. from it's the, heartbreaking from the when, when you lose it it is they become part it. of the house absolutely oh, and I've, had, I've had that experience that, up to that I wouldn't have been a dog person we would have had the odd dog and yeah. different things growing up but we weren't really a dog house is to say but we got him and he, he became part of the house he became part, part of the furniture he was one of us and it was oh it was disheartening. I, I can still remember having bringing him down to the vets and and, and not bringing him home. As to say, mm. it's uh, oh, take a chunk out of your heart. But sure, yeah. that's all part of it. Yeah, uh, it's no wonder there are also so many country music songs about dogs. The dogs, old I, Shep and all I of that. I understand them yeah. now, so I do yeah. definitely. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and Father Brian helped you uh, t- Brian, tie the knot. He did, Father Brian. Yeah. Uh, what a great man. He's he's an amazing man. He's a an amazing man in in, in many different ways. So he is so. He, but he done the he done the ceremony for us, and he's a, he's been a, a great man, as to say always. He's a yeah. if you if you have any any questions or anything you're ever worried about, one phone call and he'll be he, he'll have the he's, answer. He's, he's the unofficial chaplain to he in is. show business. He is. He yeah. is. I, he's a great man. He's a really yeah. nice man. I really yeah. really have great time for Father Brain. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you you headed off again on on for, you disappeared for about three weeks on your honeymoon. We did, didn't you? You went off to we, we, we honeymoon. Then we we uh, we went back to Vegas. We did. We started in the Caribbean, went to Caribbean for a week, relaxed. We got a hotel, which was an accident. They got a hotel with no television in it. I don't know how I managed that. So we did. So we were out. We <laughs> well, you were on your honeymoon. We were on honeymoon, honeymoon. You didn't, you didn't need, need a television, television Mike. No, so <laughs> I, that's the one thing I remember is to say. So we were out on the Caribbean island. I uh, can't even remember which one we were on now. Sim Martin, or I can't think off the top of my head anyway. But I went there for the week and then we flew across to Las Vegas for another week after that. So we did, and we might have, that was it, yeah. And then Vegas home and straight back into the gigging. Yeah, and Vegas is something. You, you, I love, you Vegas, love Vegas, yeah. yeah. I've been in Vegas numerous times, so I have. I've seen so many. Is that because so, of the big shows? I love it? the shows over there. I love yeah. the heat. I love the sunshine, so I do. Yeah. I love lying out at the pool. I, I like gambling. I'm not a big gambler. Yeah. I'll enjoy. The one euro tables or the five euro tables are, I suppose, at night time to go up to 10 euro, whatever it is. Uh, I just love, I go down for an hour, mess. Not a good gambler, as I say. No yeah. interest in it. Would never, would would very seldom back anything here. No interest at all. Get no buzz from the, from the gambling. Love a game of cards, but no interest in horses or backing anything else. 
Uh, but would, would, I'd, I'd have as much interest in playing for a euro as for 20 euro. It's just the, the buzz of playing it. Yeah. And you're a golfer as well, I should, I loved, I should yeah, mention. Yeah, I love the golfing, so I do. Um, I only took golfing up by pure chance as well. We were doing all these trips with, with Paul Claffey tours. We were out in Spain, we were in Portugal and different things. And the afternoons, you, your your day was just lying around with nothing to do. So I said, this will pass a few hours for me. How about Willie was, Willie was always golfing Paul and all the guys were on golfing. So I said, may as well take this up. And I suppose I grew the bug for it then after that. I, I, I loved it. Yeah. Still love it. It's a great game. Good, good healthy it's a great game, sport. yeah. And the one thing about golf is you can you you no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, you're playing the you're playing the course every day. So it's a challenge every day, no matter what level you're at. If you have a handicap of one or a handicap of forty one, it's a challenge for everybody. Just ask Rory McElroy. He'd, he'd, yeah, he'd, he'll yeah. agree with that. Yeah. It, 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 it is a challenge. No matter yeah. who you are, what you are, there's, there's good days and bad days. Yeah. And then your lovely family life was complete then last year at the start of this pandemic yeah this I I don't know what way you'd put it she's uh, I suppose one of the most most amazing things that's ever happened to me not one of the the most amazing thing that's ever happened Mia was born Uh, she came a little bit early as well there was a bit of a a little bit of excitement as they say she she came a few weeks ahead of when she should have came but she's she's great now she was born on the she was born on the 20th of March 20th of the 3rd of 20. So she was she was five, she was nearly six weeks early, so she was. So there was a, a, a good team there in Galway, but she was, within four or five days, she was, as, we had her home. She was right. a, a great fighter, as I say. She's as strong as a ox. She's, um, she's great. She's a great, great girl, a great child, great everything. She's, um, she's always happy. She's a, a bundle of joy just to see her running around. All she wants is to be active, climbing, jumping, and eaten, and she's as happy as Larry. And did you see yourself being a dad? You know, was that something? It's something I would have always wanted. Yeah, it's not something that I suppose that you can say I'm going to be, but it's something yeah. that I always wanted. Um, it, it was a long road to to get there to have her, but she's there now, and there's nothing in this world that it, you, you had to wait a few years. Yeah, it yeah. was it was a, lo- a long road, as I say, but that's yeah. all part of life, as I say. Yes. But she's yeah. there now. There's nothing in this world better. It's uh, it's the most amazing feeling. Yeah, it's a it's a different kind of love that you can't explain, and it's it's something that you you'd do anything for. You'd you'd jump through. You'd 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 fight McGregor in the morning for to 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 save her, as I say, or you'd you'd walk through fire or stones. There's nothing that you wouldn't do for 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 um a baby. It's just amazing. And if there's anything, any positive way of looking at this pandemic, it's the fact that for you personally, it gave you that year and a half it's at the most, home to yeah, time and, have time, and wise, time with your daughter. Time and wise, it was amazing. I'd have to say thanks to whoever closed down the, the country yeah. for that year and a half. I, I really enjoyed the first year because anybody I talked in the music over the years would say, hold it, the one thing they always regretted was not getting to spend time with their own kids. They look back at it now and they say, that's the worst thing I've ever done, Mike. If there's any advice I'd give you, have family time, spend time with your family, see them growing up. There's no point in in 20 years time or 30 years time when the grandkids come along that that that, that they say the enjoyment they're getting out of that. So the, uh, anyone I talk to say, do enjoy bringing up your child, That spend time, see the good days, have the par- birthday parties, be there for all the 
the main occasion. So that's the one thing that I that I do want to do when uh, when just certain things like it when the birthdays come around Christmas time for Santa, you want to be there. You want to be there for the communions and the confirmations and even any family things. Now it, it it just gives you a different perspective in life that you say, hold it, these are things I have to be here for and these things that I want to do. And the business was crazy busy uh, just before lockdown, before the pandemic it was, hit. It was frightening. So you wouldn't have had really have had so much time with your little daughter. I wouldn't have had any time really. I yeah. had a couple of weeks mapped out there for, I think we were expecting her to arrive sometime in May. So I had a, a couple of weeks left out there and I, I had the diary, I, I had the diary kept sparse that I was only really working weekends. I was going to have the, the four or five days off together every week just in case yeah. Uh, she came early or came a, a couple of weeks late. So I was managing the diary that way, but I wouldn't have been able to spend the time that yeah. I have spent with her. And uh, you wouldn't swap all that time for all the tea in China. I remember you saying in an interview I did with the Sunday World, you did with me for the Sunday World, that you'd never change a nappy. You certainly wasn't going, you wouldn't be, that you were last, not, I, I said <laughs> you were that, not going down said, that road. I said that, Eddie, before the pandemic hit. I didn't realise <laughs> I was going to be sitting at home 24 hours a day and not leaving the house, being in lockdown. So I, I, I have done many's a nappy and many's a bottle since now and then. And I think I'll be doing lots of them for the next couple of years as well. And if anybody needs a helping hand how to do it or to be told, <laughs> I'm your man. Uh, if there were if there were Olympics for nappy changing, you'd you'd, be, you'd, be far, you'd have a gold would, medal. I would not be far off it now at this stage. <laughs> um, no, nothing like it, Mike. Nothing like it. No, yeah. it's, it's an amazing thing, and you just it 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 makes you really enjoy certain parts of life that. Uh, certain things in life even that I wouldn't have been doing that you're spending time and doing things that are the, yeah. the amount of enjoyment you even get now just even bringing her down to play in the swings in the playground that gives me enjoyment so it does so yeah. it, it, eats, it eats up time but it's, it's an amazing an amazing amount of time that you spend the way you want to spend it so when you look back in your life and I mean uh, you're only still only a kid really uh, I know, uh, <laughs> thanks Eddie that sounds great uh, it's, it's been quite, it's been quite a quite a, quite a journey with, with so many highs very few lows it has well, to be I said I suppose like everybody I, I'm, I'm, we've, we've had great years so we have and yeah. like everybody does good times and bad times in, in everything so but touch wood overall most, most of life has been been good to me yeah thank you for joining me on my country life, Mike. Always pleasure. a pleasure. And Anytime I'm glad it's your first. It's my first podcast that I'll be <laughs> even listening to, never mind being on. Thanks, Eddie. Cheers, Mike. You're gent. This has been My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. This episode was produced by Ian Malini, and the theme music is Rose Gold Renegades by Jesse Frizzell. If you enjoy this episode, do consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eddie Rowley and this is My Country Life.